This is In the Studio with Michael Card. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This is Labor Day weekend. Michael, we're coming to our listeners from Franklin, Tennessee. Have you always lived in Franklin? Did you grow up here? Uh, not always. I've always lived in uh, outside of Nashville. So uh, this is this has basically been home all my life. Mm-hmm. I've often thought that maybe we should uh, have some sponsorship from the Chamber of Commerce here, Franklin, <laughs> because we always talk about it so glowingly. But yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful town. It's a it's a, it's a beautiful town. Uh, historic. And uh, the only problem is it's just growing too much. Mm-hmm. As are most places around the country that we'd like to see stay the same, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. Well, Michael, this is Labor Day weekend, and perhaps we have some listeners who have joined us for the first time because of the changing uh, pattern on the Labor Day holiday here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to welcome any new listeners and, and our, our our family, our radio family that I hope is growing out there. We want to welcome them back as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, you're going to sing for us, as you always do here in the studio today. We don't let mm-hmm. you get away with anything but live music here No, I'd love to just play the CDs, <laughs> but you and Joe Carlson will not let that happen. Michael, we've asked us special guest to join us here today. Yeah, uh, at the Franklin House Discipleship Study Center, uh, our, our family of, of teachers and uh, mentors is growing, and one of the newest ones is Roberta Wallace. So we're, Roberta uh, has a wonderful grasp of, of Scripture, and she also counsels and teaches uh, counseling. So, Roberta, it's great to have you with us. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here today. This is exciting. Michael, Thanks. I love it when friends come to the studio with their Bible open, ready to mm-hmm. go. I mean, Roberta's right there, and she's anxious to open the Word. With us yeah, and we'll, you'll find that she has a wonderful grasp of Scripture and uh, and a real excitement, which I think, which we all agree is the most important mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Roberta, we're going to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll ask you to help us understand what's going on here in just a few minutes. But let's, as we always do, let's ask Michael to sing here in the program first, shall we? All right. As a matter of fact, Michael, this song comes, the theme comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah, this song is an, is an overview, basically, of the book of Ecclesiastes and Solomon's experience of uh, trying everything mm-hmm. under the sun mm-hmm. and then coming back to simple, trusting faith. All right. Michael moves to the piano now, and here's the song, Under the Sun. As we begin our study today, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We're reading from the New Living Translation here, beginning at verse 8. If you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and justice being miscarried throughout the land, 
Don't be surprised, for every official is under orders from higher up, and matters of justice only get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Even the king milks the land for his own profit. Those who love money will never have enough. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what is the advantage of wealth, except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich are always worrying and seldom get a good night's sleep. There is another serious problem I have seen in the world. Riches are sometimes hoarded to the harm of the saver, or they are put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. In the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. People who live only for wealth come to the end of their lives as naked and empty-handed as the day they were born. And this, too, is a very serious problem. As people come into this world, so they depart. All their hard work is for nothing. They have been working for the wind, and everything will be swept away. What a, what a remarkable word. Uh, for our time. I mean, if there is a book that's it, that's applicable to our modern culture, it's the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, I, I couldn't help but flip by the news this morning and watch what's happening on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, this chapter, I think, covers it. We come into the world with nothing. We leave the world with nothing. And in the meantime, what is it all about? And I, I think we all probably ask the same questions Mm. that poor Solomon asked. Mm -hmm. That man was given so much by God, um, but he came to the conclusion that riches are meaningless, wisdom is meaningless, all of these things, and his focus went right back to the one thing that I think we were all created for, Mm. and that's to be worshiping the God who created us. You know, you hear people criticize Solomon for this book and, and mm. what he says, but I mean, he's just being honest, he's isn't he? He's being honest. That's all. He, 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 I really think that if you read through that book and you read it over and over and over, he's just simply addressing all the same things that we all struggle with on the inside. Mm-hmm. And it comes right back to God. And, and again, with painful honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's no more clear-eyed look at, at the emptiness of life. And uh, I've, I've been accused of being a pessimist, but I think <laughs> if, you, if you look at life without God, there's no other nothingness. way to see it but, but nothingness. Nothing. Just mm-hmm. absolute nothingness. Could I read this to you for just a second? Sure. I picked this up. I love this. This is um, this is A. W. Tozier, the pursuit of God, and this is what this he is says. A classic book. Oh, it's a marvel, and it never goes out of style, does mm-hmm. it? Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, He first prepared him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for His sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of the creation, these are called simply things. They were made for man's uses, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to the man. In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications and has made those very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts, for God is crowned there no longer. But there in the moral, dusk, stubborn, and aggressive usurpers fight among themselves for first place on the throne. This is not a mere metaphor, but an accurate analysis of our real spiritual trouble. I think that pretty well sums up oh, the conclusion that Solomon came to. All is vanity. Now, Roberta, you have an approach uh, towards understanding the book of Ecclesiastes that I think is somewhat unique. Uh, you take it towards the direction, or at least the conclusion of it, towards the direction of worship. And what has the Lord taught you about that? Well, just just flip over for just a minute to... Uh, the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, the last two verses. Chapter 12, then. Chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is the duty of every 
person. And I think we can stop right there. I, I, I think this heads us toward worship and the importance of worship. And you know, the Bible has an awful lot to say about worship. And I, I think when it's all said and done, this is the only thing we really can hang on to as we struggle through this life. I've been very, well, the Lord has really laid it on my heart of late that we are very careless about our worship. Mm -hmm. I think we just kind of rush into the presence of God, and I think sometimes that God is a God that we've kind of manufactured in our own heads, like a, a heavenly Santa Claus or a, a celestial bellhop, if you will, mm -hmm. that, that kind of a flip attitude. And we have lost that 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 fear i don't i don't like the word fear but that awesomeness that we have toward an almighty mm -hmm. sovereign god and the bible has an awful lot to say about this it's as if we expect him to be there on our schedule on our schedule instead of the other way around isn't exactly. it exactly mm -hmm. yeah. it's is that we create him uh, in our image in our image sure and that's yeah. that's and that of course is what religion is is creating god in our image yeah and that's also what idolatry is <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly well the bible has so much to say about this um worship is is what we've been created for and and i could i could take you through the old testament passages because they are many um, we might even have time enough to look at at uh, how god condemned some through the old testament prophets uh, the very kind of worship that Israel was offering to their God. Now, God set these festivals up, these holidays up, uh, and, and yet the people were disregarding them. They they were coming in a very cheap, mm -hmm. vain, or, or perhaps empty way is, mm -hmm. is even better. To the point that God would say, I despise. I despise it. I, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Um, we, we we mentioned just a minute ago idolatry, the worship of false gods. God will not tolerate this, mm -hmm. and yet I th I think that we're very very guilty of this. Um, mm -hmm. The Pharisees had an unacceptable type of worship because they had made God into their own image. Mm -hmm. now, there, there's just so much that could be said. Now, what ways are we doing, even though we may not be aware of it? In what ways are we emulating Israel's false worship, empty worship? Uh, fair, the Pharisees' idolatrous, uh, self-centered, works-oriented worship. I mean, I, that's a that's an open question. That's, I know. <laughs> what do you see it, in the church? Right, now, now, what what I, I guess what you'll have to to remember is that now I am first and foremost a Bible teacher, mm -hmm. and years ago when I gave my life to teaching the Word of God. It was because as a young Christian, I had not been taught. Mm -hmm. And as I began to learn some of these truths, I, I almost became angry on the inside. Like, you Christians, why didn't you tell me this? Yeah. I didn't know the Lord was coming back. Couldn't mm -hmm. been very important to you because you never told me. Mm -hmm. uh, so many of these kinds of things. And this is why I've committed my life to teaching. There are two things that I think a Christian cannot operate without a clear knowledge of, one, a full and complete understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of the believer, the, the, the resident truth teacher, if you will. Mm, wow. The resident truth teacher. Mm -hmm. um, we struggle for knowledge sometimes if we would just be quiet. Mm -hmm. But now there's another element to this, and it's the Word of God. This, this is Jesus in living form. Mm. Now, you have to study. You can't live on principles you've never heard and never have been explained to you. Okay? Uh, well, I'm just chuckling because that's it. I mean, that, that's the whole give, give me sum a, of it. Give me a list, you know? Let me, give me 10 things I need to do here, and mm -hmm. I'll go do them, and everything will be okay. Mm -hmm. Study the Word of God, listen to the Holy Spirit be continuously being filled up. That's very poor grammar, but that's when Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That's basically... Um, it's ongoing. That's right. The, the Greek words indicate that it's it's an ongoing thing. It's a continuous, continuous process. Mm -hmm. Be continuously letting the Holy Spirit who indwells you fill you up, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit will lead you into an understanding of this. And I think we're shortcutting that. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think we have churches today where if we just uh, come in and we all feel good, 
but I don't think we can trust our experiences. Which is one of the things that Solomon tried. Exactly. Pleasure. He, and he try, uh, I think, uh, again, we can come back and look at Ecclesiastes and almost see in the, in the emptiness he experienced, the emptiness that a lot of us experience in the organized church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried pleasure. We've tried mm-hmm. wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, systematic theology that gives us all the answers, and I think Solomon wants mm-hmm. to tell us something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, you could even take this to um, Book of Revelation. You take a look at the um, the church at Ephesus. They had their facts. Their theology was straight enough, mm-hmm. but it hadn't hit the heart. Mm-hmm. They had lost their first love. But on the other hand, you can't go emotional and just let your feelings take over. Um, mm-hmm. The enemy is very good at counterfeiting feelings. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't work either. That was the problem in Corinth. That was mm-hmm. the problem. That mm-hmm. was that was exactly the problem. Mm-hmm. And so what does Ecclesiastes have to tell us about this issue? I think we're all resonating with the problem. Right. I, I, think, I think if you just look at it very simply, Solomon begins. In chapter 1, he does mention... Uh, coming into the temple with a careless attitude. Mm-hmm. He gets to the end of all of this, and he says, my final conclusion, worship God. Mm. That's his final conclusion. You see, the Pharisees had a real problem with all of this, too. You know, they had their, their self-styled religion, you know. Um, they, they, came to, they came to Jesus, you know, and they, they questioned Jesus, uh, you know, and they said, you, you don't worship by our traditions, Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus comes right back and he says, you don't worship by God's commands. Mm -hmm. Right back to the system that was God has insisted on worship all through the Old Testament. He set up the tabernacle. He set up the temple. This is what God wants. But he wants a pure heart. And that's what the Psalms are full of. You know, a moment ago, you use one hyphenated word to put your finger on the. You said self-styled worship. Self-styled. That's the problem, isn't it? That's the style. Again, we're making God to be in our image. Exactly. Yeah, we talked about that. That's that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean that that's wonderful. It it identifies what we're doing wrong. Well, and and you don't really want to 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 knock anything in particular that people are trying to do. But you have to be very careful. You can't you can't look at a situation. Mm, what what are your six little tricks for? Let's let's copy that in in our situation, mm-hmm. and that'll work. Mm-hmm. That that isn't going to plug you into the heart of God. Mm. It just isn't. I, I guess um, this is why sometimes I like to go back to the old hymns that we have forsaken. Now mm-hmm. we think they're not relevant anymore. I was with Harold Best last week, and he made an interesting comment. Harold was the uh, the head of the music department at Wheaton College for about 27 years. Mm. And what Harold said was, he said, you know, in the light of September 11th, modern-day worship songs had nothing to say. Hmm. That's right. And hmm. everyone, you know, right. went back to the hymns to find mm-hmm. the substance mm-hmm. that they needed to cope with that. Mm-hmm. A mighty incident. fortress and so many other hymns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Because they say it all, don't they? Yeah. Well, worship with the wrong heart attitude is something else that God won't tolerate, and I wonder if we all aren't guilty of that. Mm-hmm. We rush into God's presence on a Sunday morning, and um, we should be so filled up on the inside and ready to offer our praise upward. Instead, very often we go with an attitude of, I wonder if I can get something right. from this. Yeah, I, I've I've always hated the image of the church as a hospital that you limp into mm-hmm. on Sunday, get bandaged up, and then mm-hmm. get a transfusion and sent back out. When someone pointed out to me the fact that the worship uh, we offer to the Lord on His day should be an overflow of a whole week of walking and being and listening to God, that transformed worship it's, for me. It's an offering. Mm-hmm. Um, you could take a look at... Um, Romans chapter 12, I guess, verses 1 and 2, uh, we are to be a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're to be all about. Mm. Something else that I, I thought was very interesting, you know, in, in um, chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, where uh, Jesus, I think the way it's stated, he, he had an uh, he needed to go through Samaria, which was mm-hmm. uh, quite unusual because no Jew went through Samaria. You crossed the river, you went up the other side, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to to get up to Galilee from Judea. And uh, but Jesus had an appointment that day with a woman, 
uh, of all things, uh, a woman. I'm, and, of course, that always just amazes me. Every once in a while, God uses women. And I, <laughs> that just always startles me. Well, and, Jesus and, was not supposed to be talking to women. Rabbis right. did not talk to women. And John also makes the, the interesting comment, mm-hmm. and his disciples were surprised mm-hmm. to find him talking mm-hmm. to a woman. To a woman, yes. yeah. And and not a woman of real um, good yeah. reputation either. Strike two. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, strike three, strike, actually. Actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and a Samaritan woman. Yeah, a, a Samaritan woman of um, not a good reputation. But if you look at that uh, passage of Scripture very carefully, in fact, just, just flip over to it for John a John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I am so glad that you all use the Living Bible. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had mine in my hand, and I thought, no, and I left it. <laughs> but it um, you made sure you had one there, Roberta. <laughs> oh, it's um, as I mentioned to you earlier, when I've taken people to the Holy Land, this this is the 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 one that I use because this you, new Living Translation. Uh, yes, you can get people to a place like, oh, Lazarus' tomb or uh, the upper room, or the Garden of Gethsemane, and you pull out this translation, and you read. And you, you just, you can feel what begins to happen mm-hmm. with people. They just, wow, I never heard it like this before. Yeah. It, it hits them right where they are with yeah. their searching, because they wouldn't be there in the first place if they weren't searching for something. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's, let's just look at this for a minute. I'll start at verse 21 there. Jesus replied, Believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father, here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship, and this is mainly because they only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and already is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now we're right back to the Holy Spirit and the written word, aren't we? Mm -hmm. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him in that way. Now, this whole chapter has had to do with the message of salvation to this woman. When you study this whole passage of Scripture, you you discover that salvation and worshiping God are synonymous. Mm. You know, you could ask the question, do you know, why, why did God send his son into the world? Why? To seek and save those who were lost. But why? Because the Father was seeking some who would worship him. Mm. Now we're back to the whole point of why were we created, why we're here, what we're to be about Mm. And then that takes you right back to Solomon's plight and our plight, I think, in many situations where everything out there is vanity. Mm. We're here to worship God. And to find your purpose in that. That's right. Uh, is what it's all about. And to find your purpose in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the first mandate that was given to the children of Israel when they were uh, released uh, out of Egypt the whole point of that release was so, so that they could worship the Lord in the wilderness. Exactly. Yeah. It's all about worship. Mm. If you go over to, to Ephesians chapter 5, and we probably don't have time to do it, but you, you look at the verses that follow in Ephesians chapter 5 where Paul says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the verses that follow say, that if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be praising God. You'll have a heart of thanksgiving. You'll love everyone. Husbands will love their wives. Masters will love their servants. All of that whole list of things. Okay. Now, that's the result of a Spirit-filled life. Go over to Colossians chapter 3, where Paul says, Be saturated or be, yeah, be, be saturated with the Word of God. And these are the results. The list is identical. Hmm. The list is identical. In both cases, Hmm. the result is worship. So we're right back to that theme. Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, as we focused our attention on, first of all, vanity of vanities, and then the only response is to turn to God and to worship him today, we're going to ask Michael to sing for us in just a moment a wonderful, you mentioned the old hymns, Roberta. Mm. How about this? Holy, holy, holy. Oh, it doesn't get better than that. Michael's going to sing that in just a moment for us. But before that, I wonder if you would just lead us in prayer here as we close our time in worship and do what... What the what Solomon concluded was the only thing we could do in times of questioning. I'd be happy to. Father, we thank you with, with full hearts 
for this time that you have given us together. Oh, Lord Jesus, how wonderful just to be able to meditate on these words that you have given us Mm -hmm. and to see maybe even a little more depth than we've ever seen before. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that indwells us. We just thank you for your love, a love that beyond our comprehension that would give us these tools so that when nothing else in life, life on this earth makes any sense, we come back to that one true thing that we were created for in the first place, and that is worship. Father, we thank you. We exalt your holy name. We praise you. And we would just ask now that you would continue to teach us the truths and the depths of these words. Mm -hmm. For we ask it in the high and holy name of our soon coming Lord and King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. great time of worship here in the studio with Michael Card. Where we're coming up on the halfway point of the program, I want to remind you that we welcome your comments and questions about the Bible and living the Christian life. The email address you need to use is in the studio at michaelcard.com or join us online at www.michaelcard.com. If you'd like to hear this complete program again, come to the audio archives on our radio page at michaelcard.com. After a break, we'll be back with more music and a conversation about creativity and technology. All this and much more coming up on the Moody Broadcasting Network. We are back in the studio with Michael Card today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Michael, one of your songs which has received a lot of radio play through the years is the song Chorus of Faith. Mm. Yeah, that song is an invitation. Uh, to come and, and join this chorus, this song of, 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 of praise to Christ, to become part of a worshiping community that follows Him and, and wants to serve Him. And community is one of the core values of this radio program, so that fits pretty nicely. Well, we're we, going to hear it in a few moments We here. talk about community, I think, in, in every segment, even though we have one segment that's especially for community. In creativity, we talk about community, and in commentary, as we look into God's Word, we discover how often community is really uh, what God's calling us to. We are made richer. It's not always the easiest thing, but we are made richer when we commit ourselves to the living in community with other believers. It, it, it rarely is the easiest thing to do, and, and most often uh, God calls us to a place uh, where, where we get in touch with our own inadequacy. I mean, in the context of community, I discover really how bankrupt I am in terms of my, my resources, but it's at precisely at that point then that God gives His grace uh, to the community, and we can be for each other what God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. You said chorus of faith is an invitation to community. I'm trying to think, is there a specific scripture text or, or, or passage that this springs out of? You know, I, I, I don't think that there, there was. Uh, what I was doing was trying to see uh, if I could develop this metaphor of, of a group of people singing a song together because we harmonize, we sing different parts, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing. We all have different voices. And yet uh, together, 
we make a song, we make a chorus, and uh, it, it's just another way of looking at Christian community as a group of people who are singing a, a, the chorus of faith to Christ. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the old idea of uh, the players in a symphony, you know, all all playing along and, right. and singing the, from the same page. Yeah. yeah, but using different instruments yeah. and playing different Diversity. notes. Diversity. And, yeah, and, and yet there's harmony and, 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 and it's hopefully pleasing to God. We are going to hear the song here in just a moment, and we're also going to shift gears and talk about technology in the church. But speaking of technology, uh, you have a DVD release of a concert called Scribbling in the Sand, mm-hmm. which which really I think you've described as a, as a laboratory mm-hmm. of uh, of expression about community. Well, and if there is a if there is a practical place where you can see this sort of thing worked out, this idea of course of faith, mm-hmm. you know, sing it with your heart, sing it with your life. And do it together. And do it together, make melody, that sort of thing. Uh, I think uh, this Scribbling in the Sand DVD is a good example. We have a lot of different artists on there from a lot of different backgrounds. Uh, Kirk Whalem, who is a jazz musician, is there. Phil Keggy is there, who is a, a primarily an instrumentalist, uh, guitar but also a wonderful singer, and then we have uh, we have females and males. We have uh, Sarah Groves is there, Sarah and Scott Groves, Rowley, Steve Green, Shanoa <laughs> yeah, Sykes, uh, uh, a lot of different people, but singing together, bringing their talents together, and that really is a wonderful metaphor for the church. That is that's what the church is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It is a chorus of faith, and I think that's the perfect lead-in to ask you to sing the song for us now here in the studio. Here's Michael Card. Sing with your heart, make melody with the words of your mouth. The mind that you listen, tell it to others. Hear the chorus of faith. Live the chorus of faith. The first note of the song split the darkness and was sung. By the planets and stars And their light spoke hallelujah And the words of the chorus Were sung by angels before us Now come join in the tune Sing it with your life, sing Michael, let's talk about something we never have talked about to date here on the program, and that is church and technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both kind of people who who like to uh, to keep up with the latest technology, latest gadgets. We do. I think we, we sort of compete with each other on who, <laughs> who can have the coolest new laptop and that sort of thing. Yeah, but you, you've got a new digital camera I'm taking a pretty close look at. Yeah, here. that's bottom of the line, cheap, <laughs> cheap, cheapo. No. <laughs> You have a good friend in Lance Mansfield. I do. Uh, Lance and I have a connection through uh, Dr. Lane. He was uh, a student of Dr. Lane's in Seattle, and that's how we got to know each other. Uh, Lance, I sort of live vicariously through Lance's uh, brains. Lance is like my smartest friend. Uh, he's uh, has degrees from MIT and has uh, worked in the uh, computer industry, but 
the burden, uh, one of the burdens of his heart is is integrating uh, technology, to making it serve the church, hmm. which uh, very few people I know of are are pursuing. So, Lance uh, from Seattle, it's uh, it's nice to talk to you. Yeah, great to be joining you guys. Yeah. We often talk about creativity, Lance, but sometimes we don't think of that in terms of technology. That's what we want to do with you here today. Yeah, excellent. I think uh, you know, technology really undergirds uh, some of the things we're trying to do in communicating the, uh, the Word, either you know, through songs or through uh, sermons or even art and uh, visual imagery. And so uh, I think one of the interesting things is uh, you know, Michael often says that it's, uh, it's one thing to create a great song. It's another thing to create a great song that sounds good in three and a half minutes mm-hmm. for the radio. And so... Uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is are there ways we could bring, use kind of Internet technologies to enable new forms of worship or new ways of getting uh, good worship ideas and good worship content out to a broader audience. And so I think that's kind of the exciting intersection between worship and uh, the Internet or uh, software sure. uh, technologies. Well, with the basis, the basic understanding that the technology is not an end unto itself, it's only a means of communication and tool, um, what is your passion? What, what would you like to see happen? What is happening, Lance, and what would you like to see happen? Uh, well, I mean, again, one of the, the great things about the Internet is that uh, it really stops uh, uh, distance from being a real issue. I mean, there's so many great sermons that are given all across the country on every Sunday that really echo into the walls of the church and um, really impact the people that attended that Sunday, but really can't be reached beyond that. Radio, I mean, and with, with Moody at the real forefront, has been one of the uh, biggest extenders of good content into a much more broader audience. The Internet, I think, will enable an even more broad distribution uh, beyond where the airwaves go, to really anyone on Earth uh, who has an Internet connection could log in and access uh, content that was given locally in, in, a, in, in a local church or in a local worship set. So, In, in our discussions, because uh, Lance and I talk about this all the time, uh, in, in, his, in his world, uh, he, he's always talking about content providers. Content providers, <laughs> and then, uh, but he, he he'll frequently say, "The boy, the church is the biggest content provider. Right. Fr- free content is generated every every Sunday, so we need to do something with that." Yeah, exactly. It's a uh, you know the the church has been giving away content every Sunday for <laughs> centuries now. So, you know, uh, the, is there is there a way to to, to capture that and then um, make that accessible to people when they really need it? You know, one thing that's quite interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have noticed this as well, is that the Internet's also, we don't normally think of the Internet as being a safe place because there's so much junk as well. It's but, not a safe place. Um, but it's a safe place for people to come with their questions when they don't feel comfortable coming and, you know, coming inside a church and asking a pastor a question. Mm-hmm. They can find the answer to that spiritual seeking on the Internet, and uh, hopefully they're going to end up with the right answer. Yeah. I, how do you feel about land? I've got two... I mean that almost kind of bothers me a little bit. I cuz another thing we talk about a lot is is the danger of the illusion of creating false community. I mean what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean you know my background really has been working with uh instant messaging and web-based technologies where this idea of virtual community is a really strong and powerful idea. And for a long time websites tried to create a uh, virtual community where uh really the only interaction and the only real place the people met was online. That's and what we've found, wrong. not really necessarily coming at it from the church perspective, but just coming at it from the general industry perspective, is that um, that community turns turns out to not be very long-lasting because it's not it, it's it's too easy to be dishonest. Mm-hmm. And so my real view from the technology side is that what you want is to have real community that's founded in face-to-face relationships and then you use the technology, be it telephone or Internet chat, to extend that physical community uh, and make it richer and deeper and uh, be able to fill in gaps where uh, normally communication wouldn't occur. Well, give us a couple of practical examples of how you could see that working out. Well, like, for instance, uh, let's, let's take a, a pretty everyday activity at churches, a youth group meeting. Uh, one of the big activities with youth groups is to try to get the... Um, junior high or high school students to invite their friends. Well, one of the ways that the, the students are communicating in mass right now is with uh, two-way text messaging or instant messaging. And so uh, 
if somehow you could could fold in instant messaging into the uh, interaction between the kids in the youth group and the interaction between the kids and the youth pastor, then it'd be very easy for a student to invite one of their friends through instant messaging uh, rather than trying to, uh, you know, uh, invite them to the event as they normally would through, uh, you know, convincing them to come or, or doing a general outreach uh, mission. So it, it, it's the case where you know, if they're already communicating via IM, then IM could be a clever way to uh, make that invitation fit into their normal communication flow. And that can even be done wirelessly and is being done more and more wirelessly all the time. And, uh, you know, you talk about the youth group, many of them are leading the way, aren't they? Yeah, I mean that's I think I think youth's an interesting case because um you know that's where the the students are, that's where the conversations are happening. And so in a lot of ways, um outreach in that group isn't so much about being physically located in in the school or what have you. It's being online where those kids are spending, you know, hour after hour from, you know, during school but also, you know, especially from say 3 to 6 in the afternoon. A lot of youth pastors I think are spending a high part, percent of their ministry um, either already is or soon will be happening um, over the internet, uh, instead of necessarily being a, uh, or 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 not instead of it, but in addition to you know the the coke at the at the local McDonald's. Mm-hmm. So technology should not really try and really can't uh, create true community, but it can enhance community. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you know the models that I think work well um, work well for companies, but would you know, be even more powerful in the context of a Christian community is the ability to take the community that's already being built at your local church or through your local local Young Life Club or at your local Christian university and, and allow um, interaction that would normally not occur because, you know, the meeting, you know, you only meet on Wednesdays or you only meet on Sundays. And to have dialogue that's going on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday conveniently through instant messaging or email or streaming audio and then uh, have have that conversation going on so that when you do come together face-to-face, you're doing the community-building activities that occur best face-to-face. But a lot of the routine of the, of the you know, just community management and a lot of the co- kind of core content communication could occur, uh, you know, online so that when you do meet face-to-face, you're doing stuff that uh, specifically requires the, the high touch of a, of a, of of being together as a group. Well, Michael, let me ask you, is this your goal in mind when we have our uh, website, michaelcard.com, and have the community uh, link there? Yeah, I think what we're trying to do is is uh, serve serve people as best we can. Uh, and and um, uh, But again, never uh, try to replace mm-hmm. uh, virtual, you know, digital domain uh, community. Right. It, it will never be and should never be uh you know what real community is meant to be. So I think as long as as at the at the outset, which unfortunately we rarely think through these issues before we start using the technology. But one of the things that I appreciate so much about Lance is that he's been thinking about these things for years, and has uh, you know very creative and and very healthy from the terms from from biblical terms, very healthy applications of how can we use this technology, not be driven by it. But how can we cause it to serve yeah, us? Harness it, right. Yeah. Uh, Lance, what are some of the more creative things that churches and ministries are doing? You mentioned the youth group idea. I think that's a great one, and maybe somebody will pick up on that who's heard it here today on the radio. But what are some of the more creative things that you've noticed? Well, I think the, the biggest one is um, just the extension of, of people's worship content that they're doing on Sunday mornings and making that available through the Internet. Um, I know... Moody does that really well with their radio broadcast, but several churches as well uh, allow you to either take the sermons and download them via uh, technology called MP3, uh, make a CD of it, or put it in your uh, MP3 player so that you can be listening to the sermon while you're working out or as you go about your daily activities. And they also provide it so uh, via streaming technology, so people that even are use- connecting through AOL or using dial-up can still hear the sermon even if they're remote. I know when I was a student at MIT, um, it was great because I actually heard all of my uh, uh, sermons from my home pastor in Seattle because I would log log on on a Sunday morning and I was able to hear the sermon uh, as it was delivered uh, in Seattle from Boston. And so that was a great way to stay connected while uh, my wife and I were away for two years 
and we really did feel like we had kept up with the the thought life of the church as we were away. You know, it also occurs to me that this opens up a whole new way of serving the churches and 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 for creative people to get involved mm-hmm. in the church in this whole technology wave. Well, the first time Lance and I got together to talk about this, uh, we, we how many applications did we come up with? Something like fifteen. Yeah, like fifteen or twenty. Yeah, uh, is the Soma website still up? It is. Yeah. Are the are some of those examples still there? Yeah, well, the, the the two that really came to the top of the list really were the idea of creating a, a database or a repository for some of the best worship content. And so that project we're calling the Digital Worship Repository, and that one's highlighted on the site. And then, and then the second idea that's gotten a lot of traction is the youth group idea. Mm-hmm. And so uh, an outline of, of how that could potentially work also on the site. Tell them about the game that you had uh, going on that, that you were trying out for uh, the youth groups. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, this is, this is true uh, in, uh, in computer software right now. Is, is one of the, the neat ideas was to create a game where uh, there really were no instructions to the game. Uh, a storyline basically emerged through uh, using phone um, email and websites and so to, to play the game for instance you basically gave uh, the the company in this case EA your phone number and then you didn't know anything else and within the next couple of days you got a, a message on your mobile phone that was a pre-recorded message but it basically said there's been a fire at uh, Animex Studios log on to www.portlandchronicle.com and to, to get the news and that that site was a, a site you know, it wasn't a real newspaper. It was part of the game. But when you'd go on to that website, you would you would uh, be pulled into into this uh, uh, story uh, that where you were actually one of the characters, and then uh, you joined a, an instant messaging group where you worked with five or six other uh, people, a couple of which were uh, planted as part of the game, and then other people who were actually uh, game participants with you. And so it was a, a game really that was mediated completely through the internet. And uh, one of the reasons that it didn't work very well uh, initially, or one of the ways it could have been better, was to have the uh, because there was really no incentive to participate with the real people. All you really wanted was to get the information from the from the uh, characters in the game. And so, uh, and so the idea was really to take that idea and then to merge it with uh, Christian camps or Christian youth groups, hmm. where key elements of the uh, the storyline would occur uh, at Wednesday night club or Sunday morning um, youth group class. Right, so there's a tie back there. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and so the so basically the students could invite their friends to join the online game. They would play it for several days. Um, it would be it would require really low touch um, um, on the half of the youth pastor because the game would more or less kind of run on its own. Um, and but but then key events would be revealed at Wednesday night, and so the students naturally want to not miss that night because they want to have kind of the key clue or the uh, the key mystery for that week revealed at that event. Mm. And so it it uh, it both kind of engaged the students where they already were uh, with a really kind of state of the art game, and it allowed the youth pastor to not have to be constantly spending three, four, five hours a night uh, in chat rooms or on instant messaging, uh, moderating and facilitating the discussion. And so it, it both met the needs of the youth pastor as well as being a very, very uh, cool state-of-the-art game for the students. Lance Michael mentioned SOMA. Is that a website we can give to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, www.somasolutions.net. And SOMA is spelled? Uh, S-O-M-A. Just like it sounds, right? SomaSolutions.net. Which is not your normal extension that people are used to to looking for on the internet. So make note of that, and we'll put a link for that on our website, michaelcard.com. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's basically sort of a, 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 not exactly, but sort of a think tank for coming up with uh, applications for churches. And we, Lance and I together, would like to, you know, would like to see this take off as a company. We're absolutely looking for uh, churches that are interested in adopting the ideas. We're also interested. If uh, in people who are Christians who are interested in software development, to participate in actually creating these projects with us, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know if you if you have coding skills and you'd like to use those to serve the church, we would love to 
have you contact us, and uh, you know, together we're going to collaborate uh, to 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 create uh, the software itself from people who are actually going to be uh, deploying it, hopefully yeah. in their local communities. So. And, and just briefly, Wayne, I mean, we came up with uh, uh, applications for uh, missionaries on the field, hmm. uh, ways that they could uh, instant message people back at home and let them know what their prayer needs were. Same sort of thing with hospital lists, uh, how d- different people in the congregation, what their condition was. They would be continuously updated. I mean, we came up with so many different ideas. <laughs> and this is pre-existing technology, wow. just uh, new applications for the church. Well, it's pretty exciting stuff. Hey, Lance Mansfield, thanks for being with us today. This is a whole new arena for a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people are already involved in it, but a lot more are kind of curious about it and wondering where it's going to go, and I, th- I think you guys are thinking through it pretty carefully here and very helpful. Yeah, thank you. I mean, this is what Mike and I's uh, great, great statement is, is that, you know, the, the history of the technology is really being written today. And so those that really innovate and uh, adapt the technology to serve their purposes that's how the story is going to be written. And so I'm very excited to, to write a chapter where the technology really is able to serve the church in a powerful way instead of uh, being something that the church later has to, has to fight against because early on people didn't uh, really embrace it and adapt it and use it for their purposes. Mm-hmm. So, Well, thanks for uh, spending some time with us. It's, uh, it's great to talk with you all. Yeah, it was good to see you in Portland a couple weeks ago. When you, whenever you all get out west, it's, uh, it's good, to, good to see you. Thanks, Lance. It's been great to hear your passion about integrating art and teaching and technology. And with that, we conclude this week's edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. A lot talked about in today's program. And if you'd like more information, visit our website at www.michaelcard.com. And when you come by, be sure you check the ways that we're trying to implement some of the ideas discussed today. See how you can fill in the gaps by joining our online feature, The Community. Get a closer look behind the scenes and also find out when Michael will be touring in your area this fall. There's plenty of content available for you as well, including the CD and DVD we talked about earlier called Scribbling in the Sand. So be sure to log on to www.michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll take a moment and let us know what you think of this program. Here's a note we received from Russ who says, Your program is a blessing. I really look forward to your broadcast. I feel like we're in fellowship together as God uses you to minister His love through the Word and music. As you can imagine, a message like that really cheers us on as we work on this broadcast. And I hope we hear from you. Send your email comments to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. And then don't forget to join us right here next week at the same time for an hour in the studio you won't want to miss. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris, our producer Joe Carlson, and Wayne Shepard. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.